Welcome to the Nurses for Healthy Environments podcast. I'm Beth Shank, host of the podcast, and today is a special session focused on COP27, which just ended in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Several of us from Annie attended, including Executive Director Katie Huffling and Program Manager Jess Mengestab. So I've been able to record several nurses who were on the ground in Egypt, and I share the recordings here today. You'll hear a lot of background noise. It was usually kind of crazy, but listen through and see what you can glean. Enjoy. Katie, here we are at COP27 in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. This is a fabulous experience. How are you doing? I'm finally not jet lagged, which is really great. And it is just so amazing to see people from all over the world coming together for the shared goal of addressing climate change. Um, When you're walking through the exhibit halls and pavilions, you know, you're, you're seeing folks that in your everyday life you'd never, you know, probably get in contact with. And it's just great to hear the different perspectives and, and really learn from one another. Today, you participated in a quote unquote die in. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this was fun. There, um, throughout COP, uh, different organizations and groups are putting on uh, kind of mini protests. And so, Um, some medical students and um, a few physicians quickly pulled together an action for today for health professionals and we had nurses, physicians, medical students, pharmacists there uh, talking about the climate crisis and how our patients are already dying from climate change from things like air pollution, dehydration, um, decreased access to vital medicines. And so we are all standing with signs and then each of us talked about briefly, you know, that our patients were dying and then we fell on the ground and died. And so all of us there in our scrubs and white coats, um, I think it was a really good visual representation of what um, is an all too real reality for folks around the globe. And I understand there was some CPR going on. Oh, yes. <laughs> this is really great. So uh, one of the people at the, at the, the event, um, she had a um, blow-up globe, and throughout the event, she's doing CPR on it and how the, you know, we're trying to resuscitate the world, and it's a, you know, climate crisis, and, you know, for right now what we're doing is performing CPR. We need to have a planet that's vital and healthy. Very cool. Now I got to touch on something else. This morning, there was something pretty cool that happened. Uh, Congresswoman, Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, and 11 other congressional representatives invited 20 different NGOs, including the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. So Katie was invited at the table to speak with these other NGOs. I was behind her as a board member and support person and I thought it was really awesome. Katie, tell us about that. What I found so amazing about the group that they invited was we had just fabulous environmental justice leaders like Dr. Robert Bullard, um, um, folks from WE Act, Green Latinos. Um, there were 20 NGOs at the table and the most of them were from environmental justice communities. And so for them to be recognized in such a way as being so important to these discussions here at COP, I think was really fabulous. And 
you know, it seemed like the the representatives that were there were really listening to us and were um, really thinking about our concerns. And one thing that I really loved is they were like, because of all the work all of you are doing, we're able to get our work done. And so they were really very appreciative of all the work that advocacy organizations um, have been doing around climate change. So, so Beth, you were able to be a part of a historic event yesterday um, with John Balbus from Health and Human Services and Nick Watts from the National Health Service in the UK. Can you tell us more about that? Well, thanks, Katie. Yeah, the uh, Department of Health and Human Services had put out a climate pledge for U.S. healthcare earlier this year based on their commitment that they made last year in Glasgow at COP26. So they were reporting out and they uh, chose Providence to represent the private sector of healthcare in the United States. So I was on the stage with John Balbus, Dr. Balbus, one of my heroes, and Dr. Nick Watts, another one of my heroes. And it was fun. It was really great. It was about a half hour and we were able to share what we were doing. And what I liked about it, besides kind of a recognition of progress, was that it was also how-to. It was practical, in my opinion, in the weeds a little bit, and also inspirational. So it was really fun. And so what what did they announce as far as how um, they're going to be collaborating together, which is, I don't think any um, countries have collaborated in this way before. Well, one of the, yeah, it was really great. And, and it, it was, it was an unveiling. And so in decarbonization work in healthcare, one of the hardest things to do is deal with the supply chain. And also it's some of the biggest impact. For us, it's 40% of our supply chain. It's twice what our energy is. Really hard to do because we don't have knowledge about all the materials. So the UK has taken a bold step to require all vendors to meet a certain bar for climate acceptability starting in 2027. And the US just signed on to use that same standard for the government-run facilities in healthcare in the U.S., which is about a sixth, about, about you know, five-sixths are private, but one-sixth or so is the VA and Indian Affairs, et cetera. So, so this will move the market because the people who want to sell them stuff are going to have to change how they make and report the information about these products. Really exciting. It's going to help us in the private sector for sure. And what, what I loved at the event yesterday is um, Nick Watts talking about having fun doing this work, which I think is so important when climate can feel overwhelming and really depressing. We have to remember that there's also fun in working together. And that's really a good thing about being here because it's a shot in the arm. For There's 40,000 people here, 40,000 people representing millions of people, if not billions of people around the world who really care about this and are working hard, swimming upstream. So it's wonderful to come together and feel that sort of energy from each other because it lightens the load and there's joy and there's humor and it's inspiring. My name is Jilan Mahmoud, I'm a pharmacist from Egypt. I'm a clinical pharmacist from Egypt and we, uh, the healthcare community came here today to talk about uh, that the climate crisis is a health crisis uh, and all of us as healthcare uh, practitioners and healthcare professionals uh, are all here today, in, uh, medical students, medical doctors, pharmacists, nurses and everyone are here to stand together because we need to see health as an agenda because I mean like 
uh, the, the main concern is actually health, that people are not getting, yeah, the people are dying, people are suffering from mental illnesses, physical illnesses, um, uh, social problems, or also social determinants of health. So, I mean, and the, and the definition of actually health is not just like your physical, like your physical well-being, it's the total well-being. So, yeah, this is our message. Thank you so much. And I am meeting wonderful nurses from around the world. Thank you. Thank and you. I have right here Esra from yeah. Egypt. Egypt. She works in Luxor, Luxor City. So, yeah. Esra, now are you a pediatric nurse? Yes, I'm a pediatric nurse. Yeah. yeah. So you take care of kids. Sure. Yeah. I like kids. Yeah. I like kids. I like to care kids. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Have, what have you learned at the COP conference? Learn. I think I learned more. Uh, we we saw more things to help us about changing. Yeah. Many people here giving uh, many ideas, many sharing, uh, many things to do. It. Yeah. To help. Yes, yeah. to help. Yeah. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've also met an ICU nurse from Egypt named Mahmoud. Mahmoud, tell me what kind of nursing you practice. Yeah, I practice intensive care unit uh, and patients that need uh, critically care, uh, especially uh, special interventions that you need. And you're at the COP27 conference. Why are you, why are you here? What brought you here? Uh, we are here in the, with the medical staff that support the intervention and the event in the Sharm Sheikh, uh, especially in the COP27, especially uh, in the Green Zone. Okay. Um, are you seeing impacts of climate change here in Egypt? Yes. Uh, I want to say uh, nobody uh, can hear about it before the event is started. Uh, everything is uh, thing about it, like uh, climate is uh, change in air, in, in water, in air, uh, but in uh, relation between the climate and health, it is very new for us. Okay. Nobody here in Egypt is uh, hearing about uh -huh. uh, this event. So the COP27 conference ought to raise awareness about that here in Egypt, about health and climate. Yeah, it's the right change. Yeah. Yeah. Will change and we hope uh, to change and uh, we need a lot of exercises especially in nurses because they didn't know about uh, uh, the relation between the climate and health and can uh, every both can uh, affect us yeah when i back to my uh, city yeah. in alexandria i will teach the nurse about what they see what the, how uh, the relation between together and how the, the health have is uh, really have uh, a relation between us the climate and uh, health uh, especially when the start is in Sharm el Sheikh where start with the green zone increase the number of the trees in the hospital how we can change the devices and materials that we use yeah yeah terrific well it's my pleasure to meet you nice to meet you <laughs> thank you thank, thank you both you. okay I'm here at COP27 and I've just met a wonderful nurse named Nightingale Uchtman. Nightingale, tell me about what, where, where are you from and, and what kind of nursing do you do first? Uh, so I am from Kenya uh, in East Africa uh, and I'm a registered nurse working in the medical surgical unit but also doing uh, climate education for children and community workers as well. 
So do you teach children and community workers about health and climate, or what do you teach them? Yes, about the connection between our health and the health of the environment, and just how important it is to look at it both ways, and then on the ground see what we need to do. And uh, working with children, having the children learn that from a very early age, is very, very important, because that's when we instill the values. Yeah. 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 So. It makes sense that I would meet you at COP, but tell me, what, what brought you to COP? How did you decide to come this year, and what do you think so far? Oh, well, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, but I thought of coming to COP because it's a very important place where very important discussions, uh, decisions are made about uh, regarding climate and really, you know, a lot concerning the environment, but also now trying very hard to work with my colleagues to bring up that connection of health and our environment and that we are one and one cannot be healthy while the other is not healthy. Yeah, so my experience here has been interesting. I've enjoyed, I think the thing that I've enjoyed the most is obviously the environment, uh, but the connections I think has been the biggest thing. Hearing people's stories, sharing my stories, and then trying to exchange ideas and see what we can learn from each other. Excellent. And um, what do you plan to do with what you've learned when you go back home? It's mostly sharing with others, uh, like-minded people, and also, again, continuing to work with children, educate the children, but also learn from the children. Because what's, uh, what I've realized is that the children are very rich in information and they're very inquisitive. And so bringing in this uh, knowledge that I've acquired to the children, to my patients, to my colleagues, yeah. is uh, very, very important. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. You're most welcome. Thank you. Yeah. Perfect. I spent some time on buses going between things, and sometimes there was some spontaneous music. Hello, I'm at COP27 speaking with nurses who happen to be here. And I'm so happy to have run into you. Tell us your name and where you're from and what you work on currently. My name is Trish Nainer-Schwedle and I'm based at the Heidelberg Institute of Global Health and Heidelberg University in Germany. Um, but I'm also here with MSF, uh, Doctors Without Borders. And although it's called Doctors Without Borders, there are more nurses in Doctors Without Borders. So I'm here with both the university and the emergency medical humanitarian organization, Doctors Without Borders. Fabulous. So you've been working on climate and health for a little while. Um, tell us about your experience at COP, why you think it's important to come, what you've learned this year, or what has surprised you. Yeah, so why are we here at COP? Um, well, climate change has a big impact on health. And the decisions that have been made at previous COPs have actually affected the health of populations today and the patients that we look after. So it's really important, especially in this window where we've still got opportunities to mitigate or reduce climate change, um, that, we, that the health community is very uh, present and very active and trying to get um, the health narrative into the negotiations. Because it kind of comes down to health, doesn't it? I mean, we, whether it's financial health, social health, mental health, 
physical health, the well-being is so threatened by, of, of everyone around the globe is so threatened by climate. So it does seem like health is a very um, universal theme, though it does seem kind of like you have to keep reminding people of that. Is that your experience? Yeah, that's my experience. But generally it is it is very powerful the health narrative because it's something that everybody can relate to so you have other people like you know atmospheric scientists or um, hydro hydrologists or glaciologists and, and I find it would be more difficult for them to mainstream their narratives through the climate negotiations but with health we all understand we've all been sick we've all had relatives that have that, that, are, that have been sick and died and so when we when we bring the health narrative it, it is really a mobilizer and it's something that everybody can relate to too. But yeah, we do have to keep reminding people of that. I think the links between climate change and health, they need to be explained because we're used to thinking about medicine as a very biomedical curative model. And I mean, nursing philosophy is very powerful here because we have a socio-environmental model of health. We're much more preventatively focused. We're much more embedded in communities. So for nurses and midwives, it's obvious. But for for everyone else, it, it sometimes takes a little bit time to say, yes, when we talk about health, we don't just mean health care. Uh, we also mean preventing illness and, and um, death and, and promoting health. So the, the whole... Um, <laughs> the whole um, discourse around social determinants of health and environmental determinants of health are also important, not just about healthcare. Well said. Thank you so much. And when you think about your experience this past week and a half now, what do you think you'll take home from COP27 for your work and your commitments? Um, COP27 is a really important opportunity to kind of litmus test where the discourse is on climate and in what the direction it's going. And at this point in time, I really ask myself, how do we move the conversation forward? Because we've been having COPs for 30 years now and we're only talking about implementation seriously now. This is the implementation COP. And I think nurses have a really important role to play in implementation because we're the doers. Yeah, that's something that's like very very um, comes very naturally to us so what I'm going to take away from the COP is yeah I'm really I'm really I'm a researcher like in climate change and health so I, um, I I'm trying to think about what are the strategic research questions that we can ask that can really move the conversation forward and accelerate implementation instead of the kind of research questions that are kind of just interesting or fill a gap really what is going to we're going to shift the, you know the earth underneath the policymakers. so not only can they uh, develop the policies that are needed at this point in time and be more ambitious but also implement them because we have got an implementation problem so I think like a lot of the a lot of the protesting I wonder how uh, effective this activism is because we're always pleading with the decision makers but actually we've never had this much knowledge on what's happening with climate change and health we've never been so equipped with the tools to transition to a decarbonised economy and societies. And we've never had this much political commitment, although a lot of activists might disagree with that. But it's also about implementation. So governments are set up, they're slow to move, they, they're thinking about being re-elected. And so we as societies also need to take our responsibility as citizens to, to help mobilise this implementation. Terrific. Great advice to keep moving, get acting, get things done. Wonderful. Thank you, Trish. Nice to see you here. Yeah, thanks, Beth. Great talking to you. Would you please tell us your name and where you practice in the United States? Hi, Beth. 
Thank you so much for this opportunity to speak with you and to meet you in person here at COP27 in Egypt, Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. Uh, my name is uh, Dr. Gina Friel. I am a pediatric nurse practitioner. I work in a primary care setting in Annapolis, Maryland with Annapolis Pediatrics. I've been a pediatric nurse practitioner there for over 20 years. Excellent. So you are also interested in climate and health. What brought you, what started that interest and what brought you to COP this year? My doctoral work was in food insecurity and I came to COP with the Climate and Health Foundation. Uh, An arm of that is the Global Consortium on Climate and Health Education. I came as the first nursing fellow with that organization and we came to COP to network and be together and to um, strategize and connect with each other, to work with other individuals, nurses specifically, who I have been had the opportunity to meet here. And uh, we are uh, gathering information, collecting information, networking with people across the globe. Terrific, and congratulations on being the first fellow, first nursing fellow. That's terrific. So um, what have you learned in particular? What has surprised you? What has uh, reached you uh, here at COP? COP has been an amazing opportunity for me to have an opportunity to meet other individuals, other fellows in the Climate and Health Foundation uh, from Harvard, from University of Colorado, We have, and also I have had an opportunity to meet the nurses with the Annie organization and connect with them. And in person, ironically, in a country that is not native to our own here in Egypt. We are all from the United States and this is the first time we've met in person here in Egypt. Travel halfway across the world to meet our neighbors. Mm -hmm. Yes. So how will this influence your practice uh, with pediatrics or in your fellowship? What what will you take from the COP? COP has been an amazing opportunity for me to expand on my nursing background, to realize that it is something that the entire world is needing to, number one, recognize, and number two, be involved in making a difference in very small ways can add up collectively for a large difference. Um, As a nurse practitioner in a primary care setting, it has given me an opportunity to realize that there are little things that I can suggest and encourage our patients and our families and other nurses throughout the United States and other areas of the world to come together to, number one, uh, educate our patients and our families with regard to how climate impacts their health. Many patients, unfortunately, many nurses, many doctors, many people across the world do not realize that the climate has a direct impact on their health and little things that people can do collectively together will make a big difference. My goal is to educate nurses at the undergraduate level, at the graduate level, at the doctoral level, nurses who are currently in practice. We are a generation of nurses and nurse practitioners and doctors of nursing practice that have not unfortunately had this 
information in our education. We have not had uh, climate education and there is a generation of nurses that need to, real to um, understand that this is something that is affecting all of us and not only getting it into the education of nurses that are rising in our workforce, but also nurses that are currently in the workforce. So it sounds like you have been called to action. There is a call to action and we can do it and we can all work together. And I think the goal of COP is that there's been so much energy and it's positive energy toward this goal of just educating ourselves and educating as many people that we can with regard to the effects of climate on health. Terrific. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you, Beth. It was so nice to meet you here in Egypt, and thank you for this opportunity, and thank you for the work that you do with the Annie organization in bringing this to other nurses uh, in this organization and beyond that with your podcast and all the work that you do. Thank you so much. You bet. Okay. All right. Jess, tell me your name, where you're from, and where you live, and where, where you work. Hello. My name is Jessica Mangastab. I am actually the program manager for the Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments. I'm born and raised on the East Coast in New Jersey and soon to be relocating to Atlanta, Georgia. And what brought you to COP? I know you're interested in climate and health, but tell me, tell me about that. Why did you want to come? So I wanted to come to COP to first get a better perspective of the global implications of climate change. I think we're definitely witnessing them a lot in the U.S., um, but I know there are certain regions around the world where the effects are already much more devastating. Um, you see it, you know, if you on the news, um, listening to podcasts, probably similar to this one. So I just wanted to kind of hear that more directly from people also traveling to COP. Um, yeah, it's so interesting. All the people from all around the world here, it's really vibrant. So what um, have you learned or what has surprised you or is there anything that um, you didn't expect that's happened here? Um, I would say some pretty heavy things that I've heard. So I'm a maternal child health nurse by background. I work in postpartum and also labor and delivery. So I've been really interested in attending the side events and presentations and pavilions that go over how climate change impacts um, women, girls, and individuals from vulnerable gendered populations. Um, so today there was a really interesting panel um, that went more in depth about how climate change, women who, or girls also, who are um, in the wake of a climate disaster, it affects everything, not just their housing security, food security, but also the trajectory of the rest of their life, um, access to education, access to um, family planning, increased incidences of domestic violence or intimate partner violence, um, unplanned pregnancies. So it was really, um, I don't want to say interesting, I feel like that doesn't give it enough weight, but that's the first word I'm thinking of, just to hear like the cascading effects of what 
some people have to deal with in, you know, in the wake of the climate crisis. Yeah, pretty impactful. Um, so how do you think this, what, you've, what you're learning or your experience this week will impact your work or your focus? Any thoughts on that? I want to kind of bring, again, bring that global experience back home to nurses that we engage with in the States. Um, A lot of Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments members are very passionate about legislation, legislation to reduce emissions from the U.S. um, and reduce pollution from the U.S., So, yeah, many of the nurse members are, you know, aware of the health impacts at home or in neighboring states or neighboring regions in the U.S., but I think also seeing the implications across the world and seeing how they're having much more devastating effects on people, I think that might also prompt more more urgency, more action, more passion behind the action because we're already we're already nurses are already involved. We're we're making the steps, but it's just more facts and more experiences to add to our storytelling of why this is such an important issue that needs to be addressed. Thank you, Jess. You're welcome. My name is Zarina Tompkins. I'm from the Monash University, uh, which is located in Melbourne, Australia. And I work in a school of nursing and midwifery there. And you're interested in climate change, I understand. And tell us about that and also why you came to COP. The interest in climate change, I've always sort of had it at the back of um, my mind, but it came to the forefront in 2019, 2020 Australian bushfires, where we could really see a huge effect of smoke on people's health outcomes and also in terms of preparation um, to manage those um, health problems that arose. So for me that became a learning journey and I attended COP first time last year um, as a virtual delegate and then this is my second attendance um, in person and here I'm to learn as much as possible. Um, So I'm predominantly listening and seeing where it goes. Well tell us a little bit about what you're learning so far. Um, I spent a lot of time listening to Moana Pacifica, which is actually looking at the challenges um, in a context of the Pacific Islands. And one of the most beautiful things I've learned was the translation of the traditional knowledge into modern knowledge. So one of the examples they used was about the ancient ways of understanding weather patterns and actually um, learning to manage life with those weather patterns. And, And then, of course, how those patterns correlate to current meteorology. And interestingly, they actually correlate really well. So the idea was that if you know what the traditional knowledge is, when all the communication fails, you can actually revert back to traditional knowledge in order to prepare people for disasters to come. Really fascinating. Yeah, and so important to to bring in knowledge from all sources, including indigenous knowledge. Um, So thinking about your experience here, and I know you're not finished, and what you're learning, how will you apply this back home? I think to change health outcomes for all populations, we need to be integrating the traditional knowledge and the Western knowledge and see what actually works really well and and in which directions we go from there. 
Um, I work in digital health, so for me, understanding how technology can contribute to those um, changes would be really important, particularly in, in low-resource settings where I think the challenges are far greater than anywhere else. Um, and fundamentally, in terms of disaster preparedness, uh, response and recovery, um, the, the question would always be how do we do better and, and where do we go as the climate changes. Thank you, Zarina. You're welcome. Thank you for the interview. <laughs> Um, my name is Connie Soban Sensor. I'm from New Jersey in the United States. Um, I'm a professor of nursing at Rutgers University, and um, I represent the League of Women Voters at the United Nations. So um, they are the delegation that I'm here with at COP27. Fabulous. And you've been interested in climate or climate and health. What brought you to COP this year besides your, your work, as you just mentioned? Well, I'm very interested in the impact of climate on human health, and I've realized that nurses don't have enough awareness of the impact that their role can contribute to health outcomes in, in related to climate. So I think that it's really important when I, I speak to students in the classroom, I think that nursing is taking care of sick people at the bedside. And it's so much more than that. We need to take a leadership role and we need to realize that people come from their communities, they come into acute care, put a Band-Aid on them, you send them back to the same communities that made them sick. So if nurses don't take some sort of leadership role in terms of healthier communities, looking at the environment and seeing what we can do in terms of advocating for change in your local community, and as, as a result of that, also you need to be advocates and you need to vote for policy. So it filters down to policy and that's what changes health in communities. Yeah, all tied up with climate, isn't it? Climate is dependent on all those things. So is there anything so far you've been here um, that has surprised you or that has changed your perspective or anything that you're gonna remember particularly? Yeah, I, I, the impact of climate on physical and mental health. And I think it's easy for us to see the physical health piece, but the mental health piece I associated with people's loss of land because of rising seawaters, losing their homes, climate disasters. And some new connection that I made this time was with food and agriculture. And if your agricultural capacity is diminished because of climate change and you can't grow the same crops, then you're hungry and you're desperate for food and with people having a vision of starving to death potentially in some parts of the world it really is a serious mental health impact so um i never thought of i didn't connect the dots in that yeah. way and uh and so it's it's a new perspective for me yeah yeah it's really great that that we're all here together and a lot of dots get connected that would take a while if you were reading paper after paper after paper mm -hmm. so how do you see uh do you anticipate using this insight or any other thing that you're, you've experienced here in your faculty role? Uh, oh, I absolutely intend to bring this back to uh, students and to the faculty as to why nurses need to care about climate change and take action, mm -hmm. not just care, but take action. Mm -hmm. And I think there should be a piece that filters into every course in the curriculum. So if you're talking about pediatrics, let's bring in asthma and the environmental impact. If you're talking about psych nursing, let's look at mental health and look at the issues that I just described. But I wanted to add one other piece. I went to something today, I don't know a lot about hydrogen and green hydrogen. And so today someone spoke about super hot rocks 
and it's a way of sending water deep down into the earth and having it filter through and come up hot mm. and create mm -hmm. ammonia, which is a way to store mm. hydrogen and then transport it to different places mm. and use that as an energy source. And, um, you know, it's, it's very connected to economics, mm -hmm. but it's something that was new to me. Yeah. And uh, I'm not an engineer, but yeah. they're very smart people, and I'm hoping that that will also help change right. our uh, greenhouse gases and carbon yeah. footprint. Right, and just to connect a dot from what you said, by getting off of fossil fuels is really important for health. Mm -hmm. That's the driver of all of this climate change activity. So an alternative like, like hydrogen, when that's available, is going to be really important. Yes, and nurses also need to be very concerned about hospital systems, right? We put out 10% of the greenhouse gases in the United States. And I think that looking at wind, solar energy, what's recyclable, what doesn't have to be single use, mm -hmm. um, especially in the ORs, is really something that nurses need to uh, raise their consciousness about. There's plenty for nurses to do, as usual. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. You bet. So now it is a few days after the end of COP27, and I have Katie Huffling here on the on the line with me. Just wanted to debrief a little bit after our experience um, at the event, after a day or so at home to reflect and read and get a little rest. So Katie, tell tell us, tell the audience about it. What how, how what were your impressions overall? What are you taking home? What uh, surprised you, or anything you'd like to share about this experience? Well, I have to say one thing that was really um, heartening for me was that um, compared to last year, there were at least double the number of nurses who are present. And so I think it's just really important for other folks within the health community, but also for delegates to see that this is an issue that nurses care about. So I think that just having uh, expanded nursing presence was really important. Um, unfortunately, there were parts of the world where we didn't have nurses represented. I think um, there was, I, I didn't see any from South America, I didn't see any from Asia. They may have been there, but they weren't connected with the larger health groups that were there. Um, you know, so that I, I think for next year, making sure that we have a more diverse representation. I think um, predominantly the, the nurses that were there were from the global north. And so I think making sure that we have a much more diverse um, nursing representation, I think will be really useful. And, you know, last year at COP was the first year that they had a theme day that was health, that there was like a really increased focus on health. And unfortunately, this year, there was no theme day on health. And we really didn't see health as um, a central component of the climate negotiations. You know, it's still considered kind of an afterthought. And so I think as we're thinking towards uh, COP28, as a nursing community, we sh 
I think that there's a, a really cool opportunity for us to be working with our national governments as they're starting to think about the mid-year negotiations in Bonn and then in Dubai um, next November to make sure that health is one of the things that they're including within those negotiations, because we know that all of these negotiations are going to have an impact on health. And if we're not including that as a core component, we're really missing an opportunity. So let me ask you a question about nursing's role um, um, in two directions. So, so one question is how can COP, attending COP or paying attention to COP, learning more about COP, how can that help nurses expand their awareness and understanding? And secondly, what, what do you think um, are some things that nurses specifically can bring to those discussions you just mentioned? You know, I, I use this talking point all the time and it is perfectly true, you know, outside of COP as well as inside of COP. We're the largest portion of the healthcare workforce. There's 28 million of us around the world and we're in every community we can help bring the voice of those communities, the health impacts that are we're already seeing with our patients in our communities. And we can tell that story of what we're seeing and why it's so important to be looking at health. Also, nursing is based on prevention. We really understand the value in preventing disease and addressing climate change is one of the biggest opportunities we have to prevent disease. And so I think it's just such a perfect fit with the nurse, nursing perspective um, to help get that prevention message to the folks at COP. And, and you know, besides just the, um, you know, human toll of disease, it's also a a real fiscal savings if we're able to prevent disease. And so I think bringing that um, perspective to the delegates at COP that here's a, a way that you're not going to be spending money. You're going to be saving money by preventing disease. I think that that's um, something that they don't hear a lot about. Um, you know, as we're listening to the um, news coming out of the end of COP right now about loss and damages and the finances, you know, it's the developing country or the developed countries will be um, providing finances to those already experiencing the greatest impacts of climate change through financial resources. But here's a way that we could actually be saving some money. So I think that that can be um, very attractive to the delegates. Um, how did attending COP um, live up to your expectations? Or, you know, what, what did you find um, to be, you know, really helpful in being there or maybe some challenges that you hadn't expected? Yeah, well, the, the challenges were really in the travel and thankfully it all went very well. But at every stop, I said, well, I hope I hope uh, my connection works. I hope my visa works. I hope I can get a ride to the hotel and, and I actually have a reservation, you know, because there were a lot of unknowns trying to plan all this from afar. But everything went very smoothly, very comfortably. I felt very safe. I felt um, energetic. So, so all of those sort of logistical things that I had some concern about went just beautifully. And, and I enjoyed being in Sharm el-Sheikh and I enjoyed uh, being in Egypt and on the continent of Africa for the first time. So all that was really, really um, fulfilling. Um, the event itself was energizing and exciting and heartening. It was marvelous to be with you know, I'm still not quite sure if it's 40,000, 49,000. I've seen these different numbers. 
um, that many people really working in the same direction from all perspectives, from science to industry and innovation to social um, services to environmental justice to um, health. Um, and I found all of that to just be thrilling, actually. It was overwhelming because, you know, there were how many buildings? I don't know how many buildings chock full of pavilions and pavilions is a misnomer. It's really a space. And each space had something vibrant and interesting happening in them, but at, at the same time. So it was very noisy and chaotic in the blue zone. Um, I also loved the green zone. It was it was a little bit more relaxed. There was more, you know, innovation and less sort of um, convincing. So uh, I got some great ideas from some of the things I attended there and in the innovation zone. So just as an immersive spectator, it was incredible. I mean, really, I I I've just felt so, um, as I said, energized and enriched by all of that. Now, it was really hard to keep track of what all's going on. And I, I let go of that. I didn't expect to. Um, but I think it's going to take me a while to really digest the experience personally, but also how is the world reacting? How will the world react? You know, we know now, just in the last 24 hours, actually, that, that the delegates agreed to a loss and damages fund. So there's going to be some sort of structure now the devil's in the details and that's going to be really hard because it's tremendous amounts of dollars and challenge and diplomacy that will have to be used to figure out how really will the world try to respond to some of these injustices from those really impacted nations and communities um, who are not the causes of this enormously complex problem. Um, but that's good. That's great that they got that far because it wasn't looking good there for a while. I've read a little bit that people are frustrated that they didn't um, reconfirm 1.5 strongly enough. So there's concern that we're going to slide on that. You know, I kind of guess I take that to be well, nor did they decide not to address 1.5. So I think that's still on the table. It's still an intention. Um, we know how hard that's going to be, you know. And then the other issue about the fossil fuels, that's really interesting to me. And um, I'm, I'm just gonna be watching with, with bated breath over the next couple of months to see where, where do people land? What are some of the oil rich companies, uh, countries going to be saying about that? Be very interesting, both at the bond meeting mid year and also in Dubai next year. Because it does seem more and more clear and agreed upon that certainly we have to get off fossil fuels but doing so is not so easy because we're pretty darn dependent on them. So um, that's really interesting. You know, one thing I, I came away with more confidence in the whole COP series. So the, the meetings that have been going on now for 27 years. And that's because just from picking up little shreds about, you know, this actually really does matter. These negotiations do matter. These negotiations have some teeth. These negotiations are what by consensus, I mean, it's crazy that all countries have to agree that we make this, this incremental progress. For people who are climate activists and people who are really concerned about this, like we are, it seems very slow. But nonetheless, it is, it, it is actually happening. So I did come away with more confidence, more, more, um, more trust, I guess, in that whole process. So that, that was really heartening.
you know, I think I think those of us in the midst of it, we want change really quickly, mm -hmm. but you can't turn the earth all at once really quickly. It definitely is going to take some time. What are your thoughts about the location of COP this year and next year? Um, I think that that's something that a lot of the climate activists and um, environmental justice, climate justice folks have been talking about, um, especially this year, this, this was the first year that they had a climate justice pavilion. And so really having uh, more of a discussion and focus on um, the environmental justice impacts of fossil fuel extraction and the climate impacts, and then being in a country that really doesn't allow advocacy in the same way um, the global north much of the global north does. Um, and then next year being in Dubai, I think they have a similar um, kind of restraint on free speech. Well, you know, I've, I really felt insulated. I mean, I was, I, I flew into Sharm el-Sheikh and flew out. So I didn't see really any, any of the rest of Egypt. And as you know, there was a heavy police presence and there were, you had to have permits to go places. And so it was very, um, I felt, I felt I was, you know, in, in a bubble, you know, clearly. So I didn't, um, so, so there wasn't a real strong sense of what Egypt was like. I will say that there was not a real strong sense of protesters. I, there were, you know, something every day, a couple every day, but, but they were, um, I felt like, you know, kind of small and a little bit peripheral, though interesting. One thing I think is really important that there was a cop on the continent of Africa. So that was the first time and it was in the very Northern part of Africa, but nonetheless, I think that made it easier for people from Africa to attend, people, nurses from Africa to attend. And it was a statement about Africa too, you know, instead of this just being addressed in the in the global north year after year after year. So I thought that was uh, important. And I, and I, I you know, I, about the um, the role of the Egyptian government, I have to read more about it again because I didn't really see it. Just being there, it, it wasn't very visible. I think it's really intriguing about next year in Dubai, especially because. I think one of the big issues on the table is going to be fossil fuels. Are we going to actually say oil and gas? We've already said coal. Are we going to say it as a global community? And if so, it's going to be said in the, you know, the hotbed of, of oil and gas. So I don't know if that's ironic or if that's going to help the conversation or what, but I think that's, that's interesting uh, concept. What, what, what are your thoughts on all that? For me, it's a bit of a quandary because we know that these countries, um, you know, are fairly repressive against dissent. They are not supportive of LGBTQA folks. Um, there's been, you know, in Egypt, we were hearing about um, workers like in the hotels not being paid or being paid very little. Um, you know, and so bringing these big events into these countries, um, you know, I think can have a little bit of an ethical challenge because you don't want to be supporting, um, you know, those types of regimes. But at the same time, you know, we were able to give, you know, lots of tips and different things to these workers that were there. So um, I, I hope in some ways that we are helping to support them. Um, but I think it's a real challenge when 
you know, I think many of the countries in Africa have similar issues. And so how do we resolve some of that? I, I think it's really challenging. Yeah. It's, there's there's always um, inconsistencies and pros and cons. And I, I think that's another thing that, that I take out of this is that it is a messy, difficult process, uh, especially with so many cultures and histories and contributions. And you know, that's how we are, we humans. And it's just part of part of how we're going to hopefully figure out just and equitable and creative solutions for this enormous challenge. It's just amazing. I do have to say this year, um, with it being in Egypt, there, you know, there definitely seemed to be a much more diverse group of folks attending COP. Um, it it felt like I was seeing more indigenous folks, more folks from Africa, that that was really hopeful that the, the, those voices were being um, represented, represented in a greater quantity. Katie, if you were to compare specifically about COVID, you know, before you could even get into COP, you had to go and pick up a bunch of rapid COVID tests, do your first one before you could even get in to pick up your badge. And then every day you had to show them at the gate, you had done your COVID test, um, that you had a negative um, result before they'd even let you in. And, you know, everyone was wearing masks. There was nothing like that <laughs> in this year's COP. It was almost like COVID hadn't happened. Um, there were, some folks wearing masks, but they were a very small minority. Um, yeah, it, it it almost gives you a little whiplash <laughs> after, um, you know, last year being around so many people after being, you know, kind of stuck in your home for two years alone was, um, was wild. And then this year to, to, have nobody really even acknowledging COVID um, was wild again. Well, and I know we both got home healthy. So Katie, because you you lead the sole organization in the United States that focuses on nursing and environment, climate is climate change is such a huge piece. And these COP events are pretty important. So do you um, plan yourself to attend future COPs? And do you have ideas for um, creating opportunities for other nurses, even from the States or other countries to go? Attending COP is such a whirlwind. It's exhausting and amazing and um, just so important. And I, I definitely um, want to continue attending. But I think for the next year, I really want Annie to be more strategic about who we're bringing to COP because um, as an organization, we have last year and this year, we had three badges and you can split them up. You know, a, somebody can have one for two weeks or you can split them up week by week. And so I think um, really being strategic about who else we can ask to use those badges. So perhaps having a nurse from South America or someone from Asia that hasn't been represented that we could bring to make sure that that perspective is there. And I've also been encouraging other nursing organizations, other healthcare organizations to be applying to have um, official observer status like Annie does, because 
Um, once you get that status, you can apply for badges and that's, you know, you only have to apply once you'll keep getting the badges year after year. Um, but it, it's a way to ensure that we continue to have that nursing voice represented at COP. Attending COP was an incredible experience. It was great to reflect with Katie about our experiences, and it'll definitely take me a little while to digest. It is clear, though, that climate change is a growing nursing issue, and nurses can help solve it from mitigation, adaptation and resiliency, and through advocacy. Thank you all for listening, and check us out at envirn.org, and please subscribe, comment, and share the podcast. Talk to you next time. <music>